This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What is up, Hopeland Church? Good to see everybody this morning. Stoked you're here today. We are in part two of our sermon series, The Gray Areas. And my prayer is that you are going to get some revelation today, get a good word today, so you can go into this week uh, confident uh, that you've heard from God, that you've got something you can take home with you, and and really digest this word. All right? So, um, once again, really stoked to be here with you, and we're going to jump right into the Word of God today. Um, so let's turn in our Bibles here to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read some notes and just really kind of share a foundation of the message today with regard to the gray areas, and, um, and then I'll meet you in Colossians chapter 1, okay? So let me pray. Father, we thank you for your Word today. We thank you, God, uh, for the word of God. Uh, Lord, we thank you that this word is gonna be planted on some good soil and it's gonna produce fruit in our life that will remain. I pray in Jesus' name that everybody that hears the word of God as it is the absolute truth of the word of God, the God-breathed, God-inspired, inerrant, all-powerful word that created the heavens and the earth, I pray that they would be changed, that they would be transformed into your image, God, as a result of the word being grafted in their soul today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen. All right, let's do this here. The gray areas, okay? I'm gonna just do a quick review as a reminder Um, Last week we talked about the love of God and how there's no gray area in the love of God. That is the foundation of our relationship with God is his love for us. And it is the foundation of our relationship with other people that we love them unconditionally, okay? So so as we jump into just going uh, and taking another step in this series, we're gonna talk about how there can't be any gray areas in who we worship. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay, and why? Because our worship is, is, is at the core of who we are, is worship. At the core of our identity is worship, okay? And so we're gonna look at some scriptures and really look at this, and then we may have some time today to really go into some false identities, some counterfeit identities that are in our world today and how to combat them and, and how, to, how to fight for and remain uh, in Christ and confident in the identity he has given us, okay? So here we go. So once again, identity, okay, only comes from God, okay? The, the right type of identity the identity we were created to live out, the why am I here and who am I questions only can come from God in Christ. 
okay, that, that any other identity, any other, um, any other person, place, or thing we build our identity on is false, it is counterfeit, and it is, in a sense, a heresy identity, okay? So identity only comes from God, the right type of identity, all right? This is an absolute truth of the word of God. Anything outside of this truth is deception. Somebody say amen, okay? So, so we're really gonna be challenged in this message, okay? I, I hope that you are, that we all are, okay? And so remember, uh, love is the reason that we, that we look at the word of God and we, and we allow God to challenge us. It's his love that, that's, that would desire to challenge us because it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm not assuming that people out there are worshiping a bunch of false gods and idols. But as we get into this, you might see certain habits, certain things you do, certain ways you think that could be contrary to the soundness of the word of God and in and, and that and that there could be areas of our life or perspectives we have of ourselves and others and of life in general that are not based on the word of God, not based on his love for us and not based on um, who we are in Christ, okay? So my heart, my hope um, is that we're, we're able to minister this word in love and challenge people to let go of things and surrender things that they're holding on to but they're truly false identities, heresy identities, and counterfeit. Like we need to let go of those things, right? We need to we need to separate ourselves from the lies and lay hold of the truth, right? Okay, so here we go. As we get into this, at the core, okay, of identity is worship. Who we worship will determine whether we discover who we really are or not, all right? I mean, who we worship will determine whether we truly discover who we are or not, all right? Who we worship will determine how we see ourselves. Who we worship determines how we see others, okay? Who we worship and obviously <laughs> determines where we're gonna spend our eternity, okay? It, who we worship determines the type of life we will live here on the earth and the type of life we will live in eternity. All right, so let's look at this. How is worship and identity connected? Let's look at this. Colossians chapter one, starting in verse 15, and we're gonna read to verse 18. Colossians one, verses 15 to 18. Check this out. He is the image, it's talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Somebody say worship. Once again, let me read that again. All things were created through him and for him. Somebody say, I was created to worship. I was created to worship. All things were created through him 
and for him. I'm telling you, all things, that's you, that's your life, that's your, your, your marriage, your job, everything in our existence was created through him and for him. It is for him. It is worship. We were created to worship. At the core of our being is a desire to worship God, to worship him. If we don't worship him, we're going to worship something. We were created to worship. We are a fool for somebody. And we determine by our will, who will I be a fool for? Amen. And I don't mean necessarily in a bad way, but we can be fools for Christ. We were created to worship. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. Okay, no, back up. Verse 17. I missed verse 17. And he is before all things. Somebody say absolute. He is before all things. He is before all things. And in him, all things consist. In him, all things consist. What does that mean? In him, all things were formed, held together, and are presently standing. In him, all things are formed, held together, and standing. In another verse verse we read out of Colossians last week, that we are complete in him, all right? Our identity only comes from him because he is the only one that was before all things and in him all things consist, were formed, are held together and standing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, some things, no. Part, things, no. In all things, he may have the preeminence. That in all things, he may have the preeminence. We are held together in him. This portion of, uh, of scripture here in Colossians is all about worship. And right in the middle of it, it speaks of identity. That in him all things consist. He's before all things. Who we are rests on him and in him alone. And, 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 and we are formed, held together and standing here today because of him. I don't know if you, you know about this. You may, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, even in molecular biology, right? Yeah, that there, you know, there, there's, there's subatomic particles and you could just, take a microscope and go deeper and deeper and deeper into into matter right any matter at all and and in and some of the smallest uh atoms subatomic particles and all that even scientists will will tell you this that in every atom in every small minute piece of matter there is this particle and they actually call it the god particle because Colossians, the word of God says, he is before all things and in him all things have been formed, held together and standing. And this 
God particle is what is holding things together. They call it the God particle because you can't figure it out, but it is something in all matter holding it together. All right, and we, our identity, who are we? Why am I here? Who am I really? It is found in Christ because he knows he is before all things and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the first born from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Somebody say worship. In him all things consist. Somebody say identity. And in him all things, that all things, in all things he may have the preeminence. Somebody say worship. So here it is, my first point, worship determines identity. Worship determines identity. All right, this word preeminence, I love this word because only God is described as the preeminent one. This is absolute. He is God. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the maker of the heavens and the earth, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the almighty God, the prince of peace, the everlasting father, the lamb of God, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the word that was made flesh. He is our resurrected savior. He is master king and Lord. To him be the glory and the power and the honor forever and ever and ever at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship determines identity. So preeminence. It's a Greek word. It comes from the Greek word photos. It means to have the first place. To have the first place. To be first in rank and influence. That our worship unto God, unto Jesus, our life is that he would have the due primary paramount seat of authority and influence in every aspect of our life now and forever, that he would have the preeminence. He is God. There is no other. We will worship no other gods. Jesus is the only one that saves, forgives, justifies, washes us of sin, and fills us with the Holy Spirit. It means to have the first place to be first in rank and influence. It means number one, numero uno, primero, Christ is number one. Chief, it means what or who comes before all things. He was before all things. All right, that he may, I love this, that he may have the influence. It has a connotation that speaks to the will of the person that would allow him to have the place that he actually sits in, but in my life. Somebody say worship. Somebody say worship determines identity. The creator knows who we are and in him we see who we really are. Christ knows who we are. He knows us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. We were in him before the foundation of the world. 
And because God knows us and knows who we are in him, we see who we really are. Hallelujah. In encountering our creator through worship, we begin the journey of knowing who we really are, who we really are. It is found in nothing else. It is not found in any type, anything. It's not our identity and who we are. There is no gray areas. We must not leave any room of any variable in who we are in God and who we are to him and who we are called to be for him. All right. And so we are going to get into some false identities. But last week, I wanted to lay a foundation of the love of God in Christ, the absolute love of God for us. And, to, and, and today, I really wanted to kind of build on that foundation of worship and that this is the, the Christian life. This is, this is it. It is worship. And worship, there is more about worship and in worship. But today, I'm just emphasizing the connection the of who we are and worship okay that that there must be no gray areas in our worship okay and i know when we talk about worship in and ecclesiastical environments in the church in 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 these liturgical circles uh, we, we tend to think it is a part of, of singing or it is, it is the song service or it is the music we listen to. And, and yes, it is that, but it's not, it's just, that's just a part of it. Our worship is not just singing, although it, our worship to him is expressed in it. Because if you look at the language of our worship, it is absolute. You know, he, he is Lord, right? Um, you know, some of the old songs or psalms, uh, some of the old songs or even some of the new ones, right? That our, our worship just really puts language in it. If, if I could say our, our song puts language to our worship, right? That, uh, you know, I surrender all, right? That, that may, that's absolute. Like, God, you are worth my everything. Jesus, you are worthy of the glory. You're worthy of the praise. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All that's within me, bless your holy name. You know, John P. Key has a song that says, I do worship, right? So, so we, we, we worship through song, but that's not all of what worship is, all right? And so we're gonna talk about some of these false identities. And if we get to them, Praise the Lord. If not, next week, that's what we're really going to dive into is just really exposing things that could actually be even in a Christ uh, follower's life, like just issues or things or our responses or habits could be based on false identities, right? How many of you out there, praise the Lord, uh, are going through a process? So am I. And so our vision as a church, right, is we exist as a church so that you can encounter God and walk in freedom, fulfill God's purpose and go and change your world. And so we can't do that if we don't settle this, this, this issue of worship and, and who we really are in him. And then it comes from no other place. If we don't know Jesus, this is so heartbreaking,
But if we don't know Jesus and people that don't know Jesus, they will reach and are reaching for something to give them identity. We were created to worship. We were created to desire to know the why of me and the why of life. And it is only found in Christ, the head of the church, that in all things he may have the preeminence, first place, first in rank and influence, numero uno, number one, chief, before all things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's turn in our Bibles here. We're going to look at how the creature or creation outside of Christ begins to exchange the truth of who we are to worship. They exchange it for a lie and they find themselves deceived. Check this out. Romans chapter 1 verses 24 to 25. Here we go. Romans 1 24 to 25, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Look at, sometimes we look at this and we look at the world and we look at, and it's true, it's in the world, people that don't know Christ, but but we need to say, you know, um, Search my heart, oh God, right? See if there's any wicked way in me, right? Is there anything in my life that, yes, my faith is in you, yes, I'm walking with you, but man, this area of my life, this way of thinking, this particular relationship I'm in, this perspective I have, I have exchanged the truth of God for a lie, all right? Somebody say, search my heart, oh Lord. Say it with me, say, search my heart, oh God. All right, exchange the truth of God for the lie. Here it is. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Somebody say, worship determines identity. Worship determines the outcome of your life in this life and the outcome of your life in eternity. Come on now. It will determine the outcome of your life in this world. And it will determine the outcome of your eternity. Worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Somebody say false identity. Somebody say heresy identity. Somebody say counterfeit identity. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. False identities lead us to worship other things other than God. That's what happens. Come on now. Uh, what, what we build our life on, who we are, why we're here, it must be Christ. Founded on the word of God. Founded on him alone. Building and growing in our journey with God, who we really are. And a main part and piece of that is going to be who you choose to worship, okay? And so this word here, in the context of this verse, okay, Romans chapter one is heavy, okay? I'm only reading a few verses. We might dive into this chapter um, as we get into more deeply other false identities. I'm just really, once again, laying the foundation of worship here. But this word worship, in the context of these verses, means 
to be in awe by one's own twisted definition of what deserves reverence, okay? We all give reverence to something, okay? To someone. And there are times when your buttons are pushed that your reverence goes to something other than Jesus. That your awe and reverence lends itself to something or somebody and it's inordinate or out of order. And it is us exchanging the truth of God for the lie. And we're worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. He only deserves our worship. He only deserves that type of attention. He only deserves that type of awe and reverence. Somebody say amen. Our worship will determine our identity. All right, once again, this word worship means in the context of this verse is that we find ourselves in awe by our own twisted definition of what deserves our reverence. Somebody say worship God only. Somebody say I will worship him only. Come on now, come on now. Hallelujah, I will worship him only. All right, Matthew chapter four. Verses 9 to 11. This is when Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil was tempting him. And I won't read the whole portion. I'm going to read these verses. But uh, he kept saying to him, if you are the son of God. See, the devil wants to get us when it, at, at the point of identity. He knows. The devil knows. If he could get us there, he can twist everything else. If he could get us at that point, the core, if he could cause us to question who we are, if you are, Jesus is the son of God, but he's getting, trying to get him to question who he really is. Come on now, all right? We all have buttons. We all have vulnerabilities. We all have weaknesses, you know? And we need to know, we need to know this. We need to know this. Here we go. Let's read this, Matthew chapter four, verses nine to 11. Here it is. And he said to him, this is the devil talking to Jesus now, all these things I will give you if you fall down and what? Worship me. Devil's trying to steal his worship. He's trying to, look it, he was questioning his identity and now he's trying to steal his worship. I'm telling you, worship determines identity. And if the devil can get you to question who you are in Christ, he will snatch up your worship. And we were created to worship. I'm telling you right now, all right, Lucifer was the worshiping angel that covered. He said, I will exalt myself. And God said, no, you won't. And he booted him out of heaven. He lost his privilege of worship and now the devil's trying to steal our worship. He's jealous. He will never get it back. That Satan will not be redeemed and he's trying to steal what he lost. Hallelujah. He's not gonna get it. Come on, somebody say amen. He says, I'll give you all this if you fall down and worship me. Verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, in him only 
shall you serve, all right? Isn't that the exact language used in Romans chapter one? Worship and serve. Romans 1.25, let's go back. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator? The devil is trying to steal your worship and he's trying to steal who you serve. And in that is your identity. Don't let him touch your worship. Don't, let, don't allow him to deceive you in who you are. You get into the word of God. Continue to discover who you are. To continue to see yourself for who God created you to be and who you are in him. Hallelujah. You shall worship the Lord your God. This is what he said. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Verse 11, then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered him. Settle the issue of worship daily, church. Settle the issue of worship daily, okay? Don't overcomplicate spiritual warfare. Worship God, give him the preeminence and the devil will flee. Once Jesus settled the issue of worship, the devil fled. I'm gonna say it again. Once Jesus settled the issue of worship, the devil fled. He ran. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Here's my next point. Here's my next point. Don't let the devil steal your worship. Don't let the devil steal your worship. Don't leave any gray areas. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever you find yourself putting too much reverence, too much awe, too much time, energy, attention, and, um, and worth. If it isn't Jesus, it's, it's not worthy. If that person is not Jesus, they are not worthy. They don't determine your eternity. They do not determine your identity. Only Christ is worthy of the time, attention, effort. Only him, only him. Don't let the devil steal your worship. Come on now, come on now, somebody. So here's some questions. Come on now. I'm trying to I'm trying to get you to walk in some freedom, folks. Here are some good questions. Where am I most vulnerable? Come on, you know what those are. You know what you 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 know. You know there's some area that when the devil lies to you, it messes you up. When he gets up in there and starts lying to you, whether it's through a person, place, thing, situation, failure, setback, I don't know. But where am I most vulnerable? What can the devil tempt me with concerning identity and worship? What is it? What is it that he tried to get Jesus in a vulnerable place? He's fasting, right? 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, man. He was vulnerable in the sense that, you know, he was in the wilderness. He was hungry. First thing he tempted him with was bread, right? So, so the devil... You know, the Bible says that we are drawn away and enticed by our own lust. So there is, we, we got to know this. We got to know this so we can recognize it when it comes and put the devil in his place 
and establish and settle the issue of worship. So let me be honest with you here. What are some things that I personally know that I'm vulnerable in? And that is the devil lies to me and tempts me to to compromise my worship, to question who I am, if I feel that what I'm doing is not working, or if I don't feel like I'm succeeding or fruitful in something, that I can, if if I'm not careful, I can get overly discouraged and, and just down. And I start to quit, I know, and he starts to get me at my identity. And it's attached to uh, what I do most of the time. It's something I'm doing. If, if what I attempted to do didn't work the way that I felt like it should, it, if I allow it, can get me even depressed and down. I have to combat that, right? And so, so once again, where am I most vulnerable? That, that's something that I can be, if like if I preach, right? And you could even ask my wife this and I'm not, happy with it when I'm done or for whatever reason. Um, we get in the car heading home and she just knows right away. Like, oh, okay. He's gonna have, he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna, he's processing this. He, he's, he's struggling with how he did. And, and, and so that, that, the, the, my perform, what I do uh, many times, that, that's, that's kind of the thing that can get me what I am attempting to do, if it's if I if the devil will lie to me and tell me it's failing, it's not working, you're worthless, you're you're you know you're and and if I start to allow that, um, he can get me in those moments. All right, and I know that I know that, and and I love how Jesus said, "Man, it is written," right? And so, what is he doing? It's not about the event of the preaching. It's he's trying to get me at the core of who I am to question that and steal my worship from God. Come on now. You got to know that. That's just something that I personally, um, that I fight through. All right. So once again, don't let the devil steal your worship. Look it. If worship leads us to the truth of who we really are, which it does, then false worship leads us to a twisted and, de- and deceptive view of who we are. Can I say that again for the people in the back? If worship leads us to the truth of who we really are, then false worship leads us to a twisted and deceptive view of who we are. And the devil would love for Christ's followers to have mixture in their worship. Ah, you know, this thing it isn't that big a deal, but it's stealing your worship. It's distorting your identity, and it is not based on the word of God. Let it go. Surrender it. Put it at the altar. Come on now. Somebody say amen. If the enemy can steal your worship, he will distort your identity. False worship opens the doors to lies and deception. Jesus did not play with the devil. He did not play. Say, get out of here, Satan. I will worship the Lord my God and him only shall I serve. And and the devil left. It is written, he kept saying, it is written. All right? So we're gonna dismantle this stuff. Here we go. 
Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses four to six. Here we go. All right, here it is. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Verse five, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing it every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's what we're talking about today. Taking the high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What is obedience of Christ? Worship, bringing our thoughts, just like I shared my vulnerable points and say, man, I need to take those and say, no, my performance isn't who I am. What I just did is not who I am. I can work on this, maybe do this a little better, but, but my identity is on God's unconditional love for me and I choose to worship him now, even though I may not feel like it. I uh, Those high things, we must cast down the arguments, the lies, and every high thing that would try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Isn't that what Satan did? Exalt itself against God. What is that false worship? Any thought, habit, you know, action, perspective, mindset that is contrary to God, is against God, trying to elevate itself above God, trying to steal your worship, right? We, we, we cast those things down, you know, every high thing that exalts itself against knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, verse six, and being ready to punish, not punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Hallelujah. Once again, here we go. Worship determines identity. Don't let the devil steal your worship. Now, I'm just going to touch on um, a couple of false identities. Okay, we'll, we'll go a little deeper this next week. All right, but here we go. And, and this is the, the first one here is uh, the worship of self that we exchange the truth of God for a lie and we worship the creature rather than the creator. And people that don't know Christ, like we said before, what happens is, is they're finding identity somewhere, but it's false. They're finding their why somewhere in something, but it is not true. It is false, it is twisted, okay? And so I heard one preacher say it this way, that they call, you know, I, I'm saying the worship of self because that's just a really simple way to say it. Uh, but especially in our culture today, he calls it uh, therapeutic individualism. So this isn't some knock on therapy at all because in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. But when we base, and what, what this is, is a false identity that doesn't come from God or the worship of the one true God, but from within our humanity. That we don't look to God, our creator. We look to the creature, our self. And we say, I find my truth in myself. And it is a lie, okay? All right? This means I look to self for identity. It is self-exalting. And whether we want to admit it or not, it is self-worship. Um, 
I, and what this is, is I exclusively look for who I am from within me. I am worshiping the creature rather than the creator. Come on now. This doesn't mean that we don't look within ourselves and say, man, what can I work on? This has nothing to do with, with improving or developing and being honest. That is part of worship, really. Uh, but when we exchange the truth of God, we say, no, not God, not worship, but me. It's in me. I am, in a sense, I am the God. I am the affection. I, you know, I am the, you know, the, 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 the focal point. I, it's from me. It's, it's, it's in me. And, it, and it's humanistic. All right. It's not Christ centric. It's human centric. It is, it is exchanging the truth of God for life is a worship of self. All right. You know, and, and, um, some of the, things we say or we hear in culture at times is like, what is your truth, right? And, and um, or we, we hear people say, you know, I just want to be true to myself, right? And, and I, I'm doing me, right? And so people that don't know Christ, like they will latch onto something. So this, this isn't a, it's a, we don't look at this for what it is so we can look at people that are in this state. This is where they are and say, you know, and just, you know, like we said last week, it's, it's about if we're going to speak the truth to people, it's, it's love. It's like, I love you. I, and our heart is to, is that they would encounter Christ. And when we encounter Jesus, we encounter God, we encounter Christ. We literally get delivered from the worship of self, this, this self therapeutic individualism that is pervading our world and culture today. And, and we, we, we get delivered of that and we begin to church worship the one true God and we begin to discover who we really are. Some of these things, and this, this is where the gray areas come in, is because, like I said before, when it comes to therapeutic individualism, is that there is a gray area in this, meaning we are to uh, seek counsel and um, talk things out. And you know what I'm saying? Even in Christ, there is that, you know, what's going on? Let, let's, let's search my heart. Let's see what's going on there. Let's be honest about our struggles and man, how I grew up and, and kind of, and, and, and receive like therapy through that process, whether you're paying for that therapy or you got some really good friends around you that you literally can talk to. And yeah, all that, um, that there's, you know, that is a good thing, right? But this is where we draw the line is when we push God, worship the word of God and aside and we solely and exclusively seek identity from within our humanity. I'm telling you, it's the worship of self. Come on now. Somebody say amen. All right. So here's the next one. 
And um, me and my wife, we're going to touch on these more as the month goes on. But here's the next one. And, and this one is very real in the church, okay? And this is something that, that I personally uh, can just speak on because this really has to do with an identity within the Christian community in America. It's called, and it's called Christian nationalism, right? So I'm just going to read from my notes so you can see. And this is a heresy identity, okay? This is a false identity, all right? And so here it is, because the religion of evangelicalism is so big in America, it's created this fusion of theology and American nationalism. It's a fusion of being a Christian and a white American. And it is a false identity. It is a mixture of American religious culture slash, or I should say, white American Christian culture in America and the kingdom of God. It is a mixture, okay? And and guess what? Not everybody's included in this, right? I mean, it is, this is in our churches. This is like, it is a real thing that, you know, what does it say? What What is it saying without saying it, that the true Christians are, of 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 a of a of a right wing political viewpoint, white, and tote their Bible and go to church, and that is not the kingdom of God, right? That is not the gospel. That's a whole lot of culture mixed with theology. It's a mixture in America. It is a real thing, okay? And these. These things we mentioned, the therapeutic individualism, the victimized progressivism, and the Christian nationalism are these mixtures. These, I believe we really look at these things. There are, um, there are some things in there that aren't necessarily sin. People that love America and they are nationalistic. I, I'm not, um, you know, I, I can see how I, people are thankful for being here, but this thing can creep in and create this, this, this identity of what it means to be a Christ follower. And it's not. It is a mixture. It is a mixture. And these all come down to the worship of something else other than God. The main point here is that these can creep in and they become these high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to what? The obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm gonna read verse four again, verse four and five again. But here we go, let's read this and then I'm gonna pray. It's 2 Corinthians 10, 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not natural. Everything I mentioned, there are these natural elements to these things. And when they become first, when these things become preeminent, we are worshiping the creator. And, or sorry, we are worshiping the creation, the creature, and not the creator. 
for the weapons of our warfare. I'm telling you today, really, it's a lesson in spiritual warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. They're not earthly. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, somebody say every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Don't let the devil steal your worship. Worship determines true identity of who you really are. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray for everybody. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, whatever it is, whatever high thing is in their life, whatever thing that's trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, whatever from this natural world has become preeminent, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would cast those things at your feet and we would worship you alone. I pray, God, that Hopeland Church would be a spiritual house that chooses to worship you alone, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.